Hare Krishna. Well, thank you all very much for taking the trouble. Uh, yeah. Okay. Then I need a book stand. So thank you very much for taking all the trouble to come. Thank you. To uh, so far, for most of us, few were already here, but most of us had to travel a long way to get to Vrindavan. And uh, but that was very good. Imagine I would have had to travel to all of your homes. <laughs> that would have been. That would have been a, a lot of mileage. And of course, I have, uh, is this a little, uh, oh, yeah. I've been doing that for the last uh, 25 years. And uh, so now it's your turn to come and visit me. And this is my home, actually. Of course, it's everybody's home in a sense, but uh, somehow or other here, this is the temple where I, I began Krishna consciousness. And um, yeah, at the time, Vrindavan, I understood straight away when I came here, although I didn't have much exposure to the to Krishna consciousness, but I understood that this place was not an ordinary place. I could sense it. I could understand it. Uh, later, I also appreciated um, how much Srila Prabhupada is, is present here in Vrindavan. And... Uh, this was his special um, pet project. This is where, uh, when he was residing in the Radhadamadar temple, then um, this land was donated by Gita Sharaf. And uh, at the time, at the time, there was, uh, this was the very outskirts of Rindam. Uh, I think the sound is still a little too loud. It is. Uh, so, on the very outskirts of Rindavan, um, this land was situated. Um, um, there was basically nothing after the Krishna Balaram temple. The whole road was just open uh, all the way to the highway. Um, I remember that, yeah, there was... Uh, we had our immediate neighbors next door, the Danuka Ashram, that was there. And after them, there was a police station. 
and then it would just go uh, go out into the fields. And somewhere just before the turnoff, there was one temple out there, which is still there today, of course, and, and one older temple. And that was it. Absolutely nothing. No Chaitanya Vihar, not all these flats, not all these cars, not all this traffic. Actually, maybe three cars a day. That was it. That was it. Also, no auto rickshaws. It didn't exist. There were tongas, right? That meant horse carts with wobbly wheels, right? Like that. Coming in from uh, Mathura, from the junction, from the railway station. And, of course, some cycle rickshaws. Opposite of our temple, right? At that time, uh, the, the samadhi wasn't there. It was open. And there was a fountain there. But opposite of our temple, there were two huts. And one was a rickshawala uh, named Mama. <laughs> and the other one was a tea stall. That was it. Okay? And, uh, and that was, that was, there was absolutely nothing. Behind there, there was a college. It was Bon Maharaj's college. It was open. It was a park, a nice park, actually. And at the time, it was um, not as mundane as it now. He started a college, which was a Krishna conscious college. But over time, it changed and became hijacked, you could say, by mundane education. And, you know, because the, the legal papers were not written so tight, so that all disappeared eventually. It was nice. So we had a big park on the other side of the street. And that's where I would chant my japa. Uh, it was very pleasant, um, Vrindavan. Then if you'd walk a little further, a few houses there in the back and a few ashrams. Um, and then there, there would be Davanala Kunj, just on the other side of the railway track. The, the place where Krishna swallowed the forest fire. And there was, it was full of water, and it was quite clean, and we used to swim there. It was not bad. Um, so yes, Vindavan was very different, very different than what it is now. Uh, now there's a lot of hustle and bustle and so on. Uh, but then I used to be here, and... Uh, if you'd go on the guest house roof, you could technically, not that you're supposed to do that, but you could climb on the water tank, which is what I used to do because I'm like that. <laughs> and then you get a view. Oh, you would get a view over all the buildings of Vrindavan. Now, not anymore, so no point. So don't go try and climb on the water tank. But in those days, then I would see all of Vrindavan. Uh, from here, you could, could look towards the Yamuna. And then in between, I could see, uh, I could see that Vrindavan was still a forest. Uh, from above, one can see, of course, now with drone footage, you can see the same thing. But you can just see that Vrindavan is still a forest and that they just put some walls here and there right, in the forest. But actually, it is still a forest. Mm-hmm.
we remember how Krishna was residing in Gokul and how Krishna in Gokul was uh, living in a very nice palace which had columns of lapis lazuli, which had uh, a wall and uh, a beautiful garden wall studded with jewels already, what to speak at the palace. So Krishna lived very nicely in Gokul. But so many demons came there to disturb Krishna. So one day, Upananda, Upananda was the elder brother of Nanda Maharaj. And actually Upananda <clears throat> should have been the king of the cowherd man. But because his younger brother was so qualified, uh, Nanda Maharaj, therefore Upananda uh, felt that Nanda should be the king of the cowherd man. And so it happened. But Upananda remained an elder, of course, and whatever Upananda said, yeah, well, that could not easily be ignored, you know. When he opened his mouth, then, you know. So one day Upananda says, I think we should move. I think we should no longer stay here in Vrindavan. Right? It's not peaceful anymore. Right? Uh, it's no longer a nice and peaceful place. Too many demons are coming here these days. And therefore, I think maybe this place is cursed or something. Something is wrong. Therefore, I think it is wise if we, uh, if we move, uh, if we move from here. So that's how it came to pass uh, that uh, everyone agreed because they were not attached. Uh, Upananda was basically saying, let's leave home. And nobody objected. Nobody said, oh, nobody's thinking, yeah, but wait a minute, you know, leave home. I was born here. I grew up here. Um, you know, my, my parents lived here. My grand, my, my whole dynasty is from here. And so on and so on. And no, no, but everyone was just thinking, yes, what Upananda says makes a lot of sense because Upananda points out this is not a safe place for Krishna. Everyone says, yes, this is true. This is not a safe place for Krishna. Therefore, let us move from here. Uh, and then they moved. Uh, and as they, they moved from Goku, they put all their belongings on carts. Um, and these carts, they had yeah, canopies on them, uh, pretty much looking like the Wild West as we know it, you know. And, uh, and with these carts, uh, everybody in the carts, and they made them nice also. And they were nice cushions. They were quite comfortable. Wasn't like rough. They were very pleasant. And with these carts, uh, all the households, everything loaded up on carts, and uh, and all the cows, uh, some 
some carts in the front, cows in the middle, then more carts in the back. And in this way, they, they traveled on. And, uh, and when they came to the place which is now known as Chatikara, they made a camp there for the, for the night. Uh, and that camp, they made, uh, put all the carts in a semicircle, half a circle, and then they put all the cows in the middle, and the cowherd men were guiding on all sides. Unlike this, they stayed for the night. Now, this is also interesting because uh, this Chatikara is now the turnoff. Uh, it is the point where you arrive at the highway and you make that turn to the left. Uh, that place there is, uh, is not only known as uh, Chatikara, the place where Krishna and Nanda Maharaj arranged all the, the carts of the cowherd man to be placed in a uh, semicircle, um, which is what the Sanskrit's basically saying. But it also describes how, uh, at the time when Krishna was present, in Vrindavan, we also know that the Yamuna was flowing along Vrindavan. And as the Yamuna was flowing along Vrindavan, um, there was one area where the Yamuna made a large lake. And that lake reached all the way to Chatikara. And that lake was the Kaliya Lake. So it is later in the... In the uh, Uddhava Sandesh, a book of Rupa Goswami, Rupa Goswami describes the, uh, the pilgrimage. One second, I just am going to do some adjustments here to make sure the AC doesn't get me. <laughs> oh, there was something here, something mic. God, these mics are everywhere. And I think this mic has to come up then. Sure. I, did I lose a mic? Huh? It's okay? Okay, okay. Because there's a clip there, but no mic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the clip is, this thing is here. Uh -huh. That's all good, I think. It's fine. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll try to learn the tricks. Um, anyway, so the Kaliya Lake, right, was a very, very large lake, which went all the way from the Yamuna, all the way to Chatikara, to that, that highway area. So in the Uddhava Sandesh, Srila Rupa Goswami describes how that uh, Kaliya Lake was very sweet. He says, when you pass by there, Make sure you drink the water. Now, if we read for a moment about Kaliya, let me just see. Uh -huh. Where is that Kaliya Lake now? 
August Danek, aha, 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 186. Okay, so that Kadia Lake, let's read something. After all, I brought the book for a reason. Chapter 16. Krishna chastises the servant Kaliya. Sukadev Goswami said, Lord Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, seeing that the Yamuna River had been contaminated by the black snake Kaliya, desired to purify the river, and thus the Lord banished him from it. King Pariksit inquired, O learned sage, please explain how the Supreme Personality of Godhead chastised the serpent Kaliya within the unfathomable waters of the Yamuna, and how it was that Kaliya had been living there for so many ages. Shri Sukadev Goswami said, Within the river Kalindi, Yamuna, was a lake inhabited by the serpent Kaliya, whose fiery poison constantly heated and boiled it, its waters. Indeed, the vapors thus created were so poisonous that birds flying over the contaminated lake would fall down into it. According According to Shihari Vamsa, the Kaliya Lake was about one yojana wide, eight miles, and situated in the southern part of the Yamuna, apart from the main current of the river. Otherwise, the poisonous waters of the lake, which were boiling hot, Srapyamana, would have troubled the residents of Mathura and other places further away. The wind blowing over that deadly lake carried droplets of water to the shore. Simply by coming in contact with that poisonous breeze, all vegetation and creatures on the shore died. Moving and non-moving creatures, such as trees, died just by contacting the poisonous breeze, which carried droplets of water from the deadly lake. Lord Krishna saw how the Kaliya serpent had polluted the Yamuna River with his terribly powerful poison. Since Krishna is descended from the spiritual world, specifically to subdue envious demons, the Lord immediately climbed to the top of a very high Kadamba tree and prepared himself for battle. Uh, he tightened his belt, slapped his arms, and then jumped into the poisonous water. So, uh, the interesting thing is this, we get an idea of how the water of that lake was very, very poisonous. I mean, birds could not even fly over it and so on. And then we read in, uh, in the Uddhava Sandesh from Rupa Goswami that when you pass by that, by Chatikara, just there you have the Kaliya Lake do not forget to drink the water, he writes. Okay, like, well, <laughs> Kaliya Lake, drink the water. And he says, yes, it's very sweet. It's very sweet. Because when, after Krishna had jumped from that Kadamba tree into the Yamuna, because he touched the water with his lotus feet, that water was, was purified. So that's very interesting. Now, those who know their way around a little bit, uh, this local area, we are now at the Krishna Balaram Mandir, and we could just, uh, just 
We're sitting now in the Balaram Hall. We could just step out the gate, go right, and go in the gully, right? Walk through the gully to the Goshala, and for the Goshala, we could just uh, walk towards the modern Mohan temple, and then we would find there this Kaliya Ghat, right? that place. So uh, it's kind of Kaliya Ghat's on one side, and Tatikara is, is, is just on the other side, and we're right in between. So we can understand that this whole area was part of the Kaliya Lake. We were basically there, right? That's actually where we are right now, somewhere in that Kaliya Lake area. But don't, and the water is not so sweet anymore. <laughs> but 500 years ago it was. But nowadays, uh, the servants of Kaliya have returned and they are polluting the Yamuna with poisonous, uh, all kinds of poisons. And I heard that birds that fly over it are dying again and so on. Um, but anyhow, just, just to know where we are. Um, and this, just behind the temple, this whole Sunrak area is a big area called Sunrak. Or Kaliya Lake. Yes. So it's interesting. Um, interesting to know that somehow or other we are here in this place where the pastimes of Krishna have really taken place. Um, in Srila Mayapur, um, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta was exploring the Holy Dham. And he was identifying different places. He made his headquarters, which he then identified as the, uh, as Radhakund and Shamakund, the equivalent of Radhakund and Shamakund. And, um, and then Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur had identified the birthplace of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And there was a, uh, a pond right next uh, to Gorakund, which uh, Srila, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, he wanted that, uh, the land and that, that pond, because he said, Lord Chaitanya would, Nimai, would daily take his bath there. Then, you know, okay, the, the devotees, they had to manage to buy that land. And they just made a deal. They had another piece of land somewhere else, and they just swapped that land for this particular land. This way they thought, great, we got the land and we didn't spend any money. <laughs> so that was great, you know, it saved us the whole trouble of collecting the money. So Srila Bhakti Siddhanta was very happy that they got Gora Kund. And, uh, and then he casually inquired, he said, how did you actually get the money to buy the land? He said, well, we had this other piece of land and we just... You know, swap that, and in this way, we got the. He said, No, how could you just swap that land? Oh. He said, The pastimes of the Lord, they have taken place everywhere, everywhere in the Dham. There is not any, any portion of land which hasn't been graced by the Lord. Therefore, I had plans for that land. How could you sell it? 
So we can apply that principle also to Vrindavan. Uh, Vrindavan, for one reason, is very nice in that there are so many places still remembered. Uh, whenever, uh, what can we see of Vrindavan? Okay. Uh, I mentioned when I first came to Vrindavan, I experienced something, uh, I sensed something. This is not an ordinary place. And, uh, but then to what extent, uh, to what extent could we really, really sense that and know that? Uh, only a little bit. Uh, then by hearing, by hearing from scripture, by hearing the words of the Acharyas, by hearing our vision changes. Um, hearing is so essential because through hearing our perception changes. Uh, otherwise, if we don't hear, then we just start to think, this place is too hot. Oh, oh, hot. you know, in India, they say garam 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 bahut garam baha garam garam jada garam which means hot 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 too much hot right that's a very normal thing to say in india when it is uh, it's a clouded overcast day they say oh such beautiful weather today <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in most parts of the world, you know, we're so happy when the sun shines. Right? It's, a, it's kind of, so it is interesting. Uh, so this place is known to be hot. Of course, at the time of Krishna, it was not. Uh, because at the time of Krishna, it is said that there were many little waterfalls everywhere in Vrindavan. And then there was a breeze, and the waterfall created like little water particles in the air. So there was natural air cooling. So it was not so hot. It was, was pleasant, actually. So it is stated. Like, always like spring. Yeah? So there was no long, hot summer or, or this kind of weather, which is the tail of the, uh, of the summer. The rainy season in Vrindavan these days is not so impressive. Uh, it's, it's oftentimes more around Vrindavan that it rains, and we get the humidity right, from the rain that didn't fall here, but it fell elsewhere. And then here it is like hot, still hot because the heat didn't really break uh, due to lack of rain. So therefore, these days, December or September is still a little bit garam, as you have noticed. Uh, yes, but at the time of Krishna, uh, everything was perfectly arranged. Yes, there were nice waterfalls and the air was cooled. There was sufficient rain to cool down the, uh, the weather. So in that way, there was some heat, but not for too long, not for too long. So everything was uh, adjusted. Um, that is the nature for Krish of Krishna consciousness. For Krishna and his devotees, 
everything is adjusted. <coughs> we recall that Krishna appeared on the Astami on the eighth day of the moon, yeah, the Astami, but that also the moon at that time was behaving like a full moon. In other words, for Krishna, everything was adjusted. Even the stars, even the moon were adjusted and everything was, was favorable. Um, at that time, many brahmanas who had been living in fear of Kamsa uh, suddenly and who had practically not been able to perform any yagyas because it was very dangerous. I mean, potentially... Uh, death was uh, would be the result if and to make a fire is not so simple so very small you know, uh, mini fires but at the time of of Krishna's appearance all the brahmanas could light the sacrificial fire and it was burning very nice and steady and suddenly the entire atmosphere had become all auspicious. Um, now we are seeing Vrindavan in the age of Kali. Um, we are experiencing the heat. We are seeing Vrindavan covered, covered by so many apartments that are always locked and, uh, you know, of people in the big cities. Uh, we see um, we see so much traffic. Um, so we still see that there are many devotees. Um, I remember in the 70s, it would be different. That uh, what you would see is people would come by train to Mathura and they would just... Uh, they would walk. You get like a whole village would walk. Uh, from Rajasthan, the people came, and they didn't even come by train. They just came on foot, and the whole village would just go on a yatra, and they would take the cows with them. They just, just leave their village, bring their cows. Uh, you see these Rajasthani cows, a little these gear cows, you know, a little, these horns are a little bit, you know, curved like to the back. Uh, in Nugovardhan, they have some of those. And uh, so these Rajasthanis, they would just walk to Vrindavan and spend days, obviously weeks, walking with their cows. Um, you'd see, so there was a way that the villagers would come to Vrindavan uh, by, with huge numbers of people. So uh, I remember Ekadasis would be so busy with villagers, and the villagers would all do the parikrama of Vrindavan, and they would all carry sugarcane. Um, now, I've never figured out what the official... Uh, symbolic meaning was of the sugar cane. All that I noticed was that the people would eat the sugar cane on the way. <laughs> that much I noticed. So that part, 
I understood, you know, that okay, it comes comes in handy to carry some sugar cane. Uh, you know, it gave him a little bit of glucose, you know. Just when you start feeling weak in the hot sun. Uh, so when we venture out on parikramas soon, we can think about it. <laughs> Carry some sugar cane. It's, it's an old village way of to keep on going. Huh? Ah, <laughs> he's from the village. But Pahari from the mountains, uh, they don't have sugar cane. Some, little, little. Uh, not lots. Yes, so like this, the villagers all would would walk, and uh, yeah, or on other special festivals and days. Right? Uh, but yeah, now India has changed, and now the cities have grown, and now it's city people that are coming their cars and their what and, and that's what we see today uh, so now everyone has a house previously in Vindavan there were only ashrams uh, when I started living here there were only ashrams practically very few private homes so just ashrams and everywhere there was chanting of Hare Krishna yes. Uh, some private homes were there. But even there, there was uh, kirtan at night, everywhere. It was when, uh, when the Ramayan started in India. That was a big thing. In India, they, they uh, at one point, this Anand Sagar made this uh, series of movies about the Ramayan. And it was enormous. It was something uh, of, of national consequence. It was not just uh, some TV series that was popular. No, even when parliament was in session, during the transmission of the Ramayan, they would adjourn. Yeah? They would adjourn. Trains that were traveling during the Ramayan People would pull the emergency brake. The trains would stop on the track. People would just walk to a nearby village, find a television, and watch the Ramayan. All of India was watching the Ramayan. We were also watching the Ramayan. <laughs> At that time, I was on the Mayapur site and often in Calcutta, so I remember especially often in Calcutta watching the Ramayan, yes. And uh, episode after episode. So all of India got a TV because of the Ramayan. Uh, had to have. You couldn't miss the Ramayan. So everyone got TV. After that, uh, you know, that TV was used for other things. Uh, but that's just interesting. Kali used the Ramayan to bring television into people's houses and then Kali used those TVs for transmitting lots of rubbish, MTV and God knows what. And then of course we got more advanced and we got the internet and we got Netflix and all the other rubbish. So yeah. Then uh, this 
there's no more limits. Uh, now we can do any damn thing. Nobody even needs to know. But of course, there are 13 witnesses. Huh? The earth. Okay, let's see how far we get. Yeah? The earth, the day, the night, the principal directions. Okay, that's already four. Uh, so it's a third day, no? that's seven. The demigods, right? Uh, that's eight. And demigods, poof, who else are witnesses? Huh? Yeah, that, that's the last one. <laughs> yeah, jumping the gun. Uh, you got to do better than that. The earth, the day, the night. Anyway, there are 13. I'm good. It's a long list. And uh, yeah, so there's no question that anything remains hidden. Uh, hidden activity is due to the nature, due to the nature of, uh, of one who is conditioned, who has a desire or an attachment to engage in sinful activities. It is because we have these desires that we wind up hiding. It is because of this that there is pretense in the world. It is because of this is that uh, we are trying to present ourselves different than we are. Uh, all this finds its roots in attachment to sinful activity. So it takes, it takes quite some, uh, some effort in this age of Kali to uh, shake off the effect of Kali. Um, the effect of Kali is, is, has so much penetrated in our whole existence, and it's almost become, and as, uh, as uh, psychologists, sociologists, anthropologists, um, all the humanities, right, have, uh, have concluded in their studies that man is suspended between nature and culture. Right? And then it is said, on top of our nature, there comes some layer of culture. And then more, and more, and more, and more, until it's no longer possible to separate the two. Culture becomes a second nature. And it's so strong. Uh, I remember we went on, we were in Bangladesh, and we were on this tour, and uh, we had a film crew, and we were traveling, and it was austere, it was hot, it was long drives, and then we got somewhere, and then they gave us puff rice. And they got to the next place, and they gave us puff rice. And then another place, puff rice. So at one time, point, one of the German devotees said, 
puff rice. I cannot live on puff rice. <laughs> I am German. <laughs> I need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I fully sympathize with that because I'm, I'm Dutch and we are natures, you know, and I also just puff rice, you know. It's like, it's just... But in Bangladesh, uh, yes, oh yeah, Mori, ha, 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 so nice. Uh, Pafra is, yes. So, culture, uh, culture. This morning I was talking about that also, you know, like, uh, if I have to eat sabji and puri every day, it's okay, right? But then every once in a while, some bread and cheese, <laughs> and now you're talking, you know, <laughs> now you're talking. Now it's the real thing. Now, if you have an Indian person and they have to eat bread and cheese every day, you know, then every once in a while, some sabji and puri, you know, <laughs> now we're going to, that's the real thing, right? So these are some examples of how culture uh, becomes a second nature. How it so much becomes our second nature that that's, that's just becomes us. And you can't, I mean, in Russia, they always eat red beets, right? They have to eat it. Uh, soup made from beet, beetroot soup. <laughs> Borscht, yes, red beetroot soup. Uh, uh, very strong. So like this. And we call these things culture. But if you think about it, it's, it's, it becomes second nature. These are layers of habit that are laid over our, our nature that become a second nature. Uh, and it's like the whole world is like that. Yeah. Uh, I came to Italy and, you know, my, my Ayurvedic doctor had strictly forbidding, forbidden me to take tomatoes. So, so I was thinking, I'm, I'm not going to have tomatoes. No way. I may be in Italy, but I'm not going to have them. No. Then I get invited in someone's house, right? And so I was already thinking, no, I will just say no to the tomatoes. And then I arrived, and then he goes, Maraj, Maraj, please, please let me show you my garden. Maraj, please come see my garden. And then he goes, Oh, Maharaj, here are the tomatoes. <laughs> and Maharaj, every day I am watering these tomatoes with love. <laughs> Italy is full of love. Yeah. I'm, I'm watering them with love, Maharaj. And today, today, <laughs> we are cooking these tomatoes for you. <laughs> what, what can you say? What can you say? Uh, too much love, you know, that's, that's nothing, nothing. It's like you're defeated by love, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah. And it went on and on and on, even now, at the end, at the end, they were old people. Anyway, but at the end, yeah, they say, Maharaj, my wife, uh, she has arthritis, Maharaj. You know, my wife, she loves, she loves cooking, but uh, she cannot cook anymore, Maharaj. But to today, Maharaj, for you, my wife went into the kitchen 
and for you, yes, and for you, she made something very special, Maharaj. She goes, okay, Haribo. <laughs> I think pasta or something, you know. And then it was at the end, and it was like an apple fritter, a slice of apple in batter, deep fried, and then dipped in sugar, whole grains of sugar outside. Now, that's not a little bit outside of my diet. <laughs> that's thousand percent out of my diet. <laughs> anyway, uh, they were bringing it with so much love. So, and they watched it as I strangled the thing down. <laughs> God. Then they say, Maharaj, <laughs> did you like it? I said, ah, I said, oh, it, it was so nice. <laughs> then they brought another one. <laughs> but for a moment they weren't looking. Desperate as I was, please, oh Lord, please forgive me. I put it in the plant. <laughs> <laughs> it would have killed me, you know. So I learned it in Italy, love kills. <laughs> yeah. Krishna is in the same position. Because Krishna also is conquered by love. Uh, and as simple as that, this principle that love conquers is when people take so much voluntary trouble, like, then what can you do? You know, you just have to, uh, <laughs> have to do it. And, and that's, uh, yeah. That's also this movement. Huh? It is said that uh, uh, loving exchanges between the devotees uh, and that one becomes purchased by such loving exchanges. Krishna becomes purchased. So this is the, the, the mood of Vrindavan. This is the principle of bhakti. Hmm? Vrindavan is the home of bhakti. And of course, Vrindavan is not at all an ordinary place. Vrindavan is the place which is manifest by Lord Balaram. But as Srimati Radharani, as we uh, surely will hear tomorrow, is... Uh, is the energy of Krishna known as the Ladini Shakti, the pleasure potency of Krishna. Oh. So the Ladini Shakti is represented by her. Then Balaram, he is representing the Sandini Shakti, the uh, existence potency. So we're having Radharani for the pleasure potency, Balaram for the existence potency. Then, well, we know, those who have studied the books a little, they know there are three. Uh, there's Ladini, Sandini, and Samvit. 
So it is said that Krishna himself is representing the Samvit Shakti. Uh, all knowledge comes from Krishna originally. Uh, he is the source of all knowledge. Dharmam to Saksat Bhagavat Pranitam. So he's the source of knowledge. Krishna studied under Sandipani Muni, but it said Sandipani Muni was a mountain. And, he said, and it said that the water of the ocean of knowledge of Krishna became stuck on the mountain of Sandipani Muni in the form of a cloud. And then it came down in the form of rivers that flowed from his mouth. And in this way, Sandipani Muni instructed Krishna and Balaram in transcendental knowledge. Yes. So, we are very pleased that we are able to uh, somehow or other be in Vrindavan, which is manifested by Lord Balaram. Therefore, Vrindavan is never an ordinary place. It is a fully spiritual place and everything about Vrindavan is meant for the, the pleasure of Krishna. And everything, therefore, in Vrindavan is based on that principle of loving devotional service. Now, when that devotional service is, uh, is not so present in Vrindavan, then that becomes part of a covering of illusory energy. And we see a lot of that. Uh, all the noise, all the whatever uh, things we see that are not so much part of pure devotional service, uh, they are a covering. Um, now that covering has dual purpose. One might say, oh, that covering, shame, shame, shame. What a disturbance. And the people are making it only worse. And why are they doing this? Why are they polluting the Yamuna and so on? This, that. But uh, part of the, uh, part of all this external austerity in Vrindavan is also there to drive away those who are not sincere. Those who are not really devotees. Uh, those are not really so Vrindavan is also known as Tapu Bhumi so traditionally there is always some tapas involved if we want to enter into Vrindavan and so nature provides some tapas but then or some austerity but then human beings have added some tapas right? and make it even more intense but all that is simply to to yeah, and it sometimes brings us to the edge, really. There are things in Vrindavan that can bring you to a point where you say, I'm getting out of here, you know? Uh, and, and of course, if you're a mundane person, yeah, then there's no question. I remember one devotee who stayed here, his mother came from London, okay? Oh, yes, straight from London. I've been in London lately. And I've learned to I've learned to say London instead <laughs> instead of London, <laughs> no London. And anyway, uh, so she came from there to Vrindavan, and she goes, "Oh, 
Is this your Vrindavan? There are pigs walking in the streets. Ugh, is this your Vrindavan? Ooh, it smells. Is this your Yamuna? But what are the people doing on the banks of the Yamuna? Uh, I don't know, public toilets? Uh, anyway, she was criticizing and everything was bad. And uh, after she came back from her tour, she went to the guest house here where she had a room to fresh up. She went into the bath and just as she was there, a rat jumped out of the toilet. <laughs> I don't want to scare you. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often. Uh, but uh, two hours later, or three hours later, she was on the airport to, uh, to London. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. True story. I didn't make it up. I didn't even exaggerate. <laughs> Sometimes I exaggerate a little bit. <laughs> but not as much as in the Jumna Maharaj. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, yeah, but that, that's, that, that element is there. So we should understand that this is, is, is revealing a principle. Uh, so... We will be tested in Vrindavan. We will be tested. When we go on Parikrama, it's not all free from austerity. Uh, uh, there are all kinds of things. The buses itself are something. <laughs> this time, I usually, in the past, I've always joined you on the bus, but this time I'm not going to do it because I need extra stops on the way, uh, so I'm, I'm coming by car, sorry, <laughs> but the buses are a little bit uh, austere, uh, um, yeah, and then so many things, um, things are not always logical, you know, like, like, yeah, material things in Vrindavan, this morning, uh, the regulator of my fan caught on fire. <laughs> Lots of smoke, you know, short circuit. <laughs> anyway, I managed to turn off the fan. Uh, but there was a short circuit and smoke, etc., was coming out. I was thinking, wow, I had it on the whole night. Imagine it would have happened in the night. I would have slept, possibly would have slept through it, woke up with a fire. But anyway, all went well. Krishna is in control. But it is like that. So austerity is there. Uh, but that austerity has a purpose. A purpose to simply to test our desire. Our desire to, to find Krishna. Because Krishna is very present here. And those who show that eagerness to find Krishna... Uh, Krishna will certainly reveal something, uh, will reveal himself in some extraordinary way. That is Krishna's nature in the Dham. Right? Krishna is so much more present than anywhere else. Uh, and, uh, 
And so those who, who are staying in the Dham certainly are receiving special gifts from Krishna, special gifts of mercy. They are available here. But that austerity is there. Right? We have to pass it. Yeah, so some may say, uh, you know, what others... Some will say, where's the supermarket? <laughs> yeah, you know, I know. But whatever may be, uh, let us... We are here for the sake of mercy. Uh, I... I asked you all to come a little early to Vrindavan because, uh, because of the health situation. I thought better you come when I can uh, do something, right? When, when we can spend some quality time together. Um, and I wasn't sure about Kartik, how, how my health would be at that time. So I thought better make it a little earlier. So I changed the, the time and we'll be here for Radhasthami um, tomorrow morning. Burijan uh, Prabhu will speak. I will also speak something on Srimata Radharani. So that is, uh, yeah. When the curtain is lifted, uh, when the veil is removed, and Naham Prakasa Sarvasya Yoga Maya Samavitaha, Krishna is covered by this Yoga Maya, so we cannot see him. Looking at where is Krishna? Of course, advanced devotees, Stavra Jangama Dekana Dekatara Murti Sayavatahoi Istadeva Sputti, wherever they look, they see Krishna. They see Krishna. Hmm. How can we see Krishna everywhere? How? Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Well, nothing exists independent. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, this seat, which looks like a battleship, uh, <laughs> or a, a chariot. <laughs> This seat has not just manifest on its own, right? There are carpenters who have made it, obviously. There are, there's wood that has grown in the forest. It didn't just grow on its own, you know, just like, it just grew, uh, just, uh, and then it was there kind of thing. No, it's a whole intricate, uh, intricate system. Right? There's land, there's water, there's seeds, you know, and then sunshine, there's this, and, and somehow or other trees grow. It's, it's a whole intricate arrangement, right? Life on this planet. So we see behind everything Krishna. This is the art. By seeing Krishna behind everything, we see Krishna everywhere. And then that's what Bhagavatam is doing, you know? Someone asked me that question, you know, how can we see Krishna everywhere? Yeah, but Bhagavatam, that's what Bhagavatam is about. You know, you hear about uh, the creation. Now, here's Maharaj Pariksit, right? 
And he begins to give a lengthy explanation about the creation. Now, do you think that he didn't know? I mean, he was a mature man when he met uh, Sukadev Goswami. He's a king, right? the emperor of the world. You think he had no education? <laughs> okay. Of course, they told him, you know, when he was a kid, right? They told him everything, creation, this, that. This was just part of your normal education. So you think that by then he still didn't know? So we find in the purports a reference that, uh, that Maharaj Pariksit was asking questions about many topics that he already knew for the sake of strictness, just to make sure he got it right. Uh, now, when Sugadev Goswami begins to explain the creation, he explains the creation in such a way that everything is connected to Krishna and that we see how everything connects to Krishna. There's a whole discussion, Maitreya is, is explaining Vidura and it gets very technical how all the elements are manifesting. There was the eye of the universal, the sun and the moon are the eyes of the universal form and then the eye of the universal form is manifest and then there's vision and then the sense of vision is also manifest and all the senses are manifested, then taste manifest, this manifest. All these functions are manifesting little by little. And they're all related to the Supreme. Um, so that's the whole point. The Bhagavatam, when it enters into descriptions of the creation, it describes it how it is related to the Supreme. Um, there are some portions of the Bhagavatam which are not easy to read, you know, like uh, for a conditioned soul. <laughs> for example, in the ninth canto, there are description, there's descriptions of dynasties. And you get a whole description of the dynasty of Amsuman, whoever Amsuman may be, you might think, who, who on earth is Amsuman, right? And then this one had had this son and married to so-and-so, and they had children. They have no idea who they are. And it goes on and on and on, name after name. And it's absolutely, you don't know anybody. So here comes the human nature in the picture where you feel like, shall I skip this chapter? <laughs> <laughs> you sinful wretch. <laughs> How dare you <laughs> even think like that? This is Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah. Um, but finally, we realize that Lord Ramachandra is appeared in the dynasty of Amsuman. Okay, okay, okay. So the whole dynasty is blessed just because Lord Ramachandra appeared in that dynasty. So just hearing all those names of all those people who married and had kids, etc., who you don't even know, and a long list, by hearing it, you get purified, get blessed, because it relates to Krishna himself. Anyway, we see that what the Bhagavatam is doing in all these cantos is just showing how everything is related to Krishna very thoroughly related to Krishna.
And when we see everything related to Krishna, then, uh, then we can totally see Krishna, very thoroughly, everywhere. Yeah? Uh, then we can see Krishna very thoroughly. That's the idea, not just see Krishna. See, you can also go, Iswaraha Parama Krishna Satsit Aranda Vigraha Anadir Adir Govinda Sarvakarana Karanam. Yes. Um, it's, it's the musical, musical side in me that has to, has to make musical jokes. <laughs> You heard of musical chairs? This is a musical joke. <laughs> but uh, the point is, um, is that we can learn that verse from the Brahma Samhita, and then it's described that Krishna is the cause of all causes. So, okay, that's one way of seeing how Krishna is everything, because you just apply that one verse, Krishna is the cause of all causes. So... Krishna is the cause of all causes. But that's a shortcut. But Bhagavatam is not doing it that way. Bhagavatam is showing us how everything is somehow or other connected to Krishna. And that's, so that's a very thorough way of seeing Krishna everywhere. Everywhere. So this is, is uh, yeah, Stavra jangama dekena dekatara munti. Whenever we see the, the, the non-moving or the moving living beings, uh, we simply see Krishna. Ispurti. We see Krishna's manifestation everywhere. Just as, you know, if in India, especially with these temples, you know, if you know someone's shoes and you see someone's shoes outside, say, oh, he's already inside. See the shoes? Yes. So by the shoes, you know, you can see, is he home? Yeah, shoes are out next to the door. Yes, he's home. Because you know the shoes, right? Or a grihasta, he knows the sari of his wife. Right? Sometimes, you know, I, I've been a grihasta. Sometimes... They borrow each other's saris, right? <laughs> and then suddenly, some other woman is walking in your wife's sari. And you're, and you're looking like your eye crest, you know, you see that sari in the corner of your eye, and you know it. Then suddenly, some other lady wears it. It's a shock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a shock. <laughs> Yeah, it goes like that. Don't don't exchange sorrows. <laughs> ah. Anyway, my topic today is entering Vrindavan and um, preparing preparing ourselves. Um, preparing ourselves for um, deeply connecting. We are here only to deeply connect. Now, you are here to deeply connect. I'm also here to deeply connect right, for the same purpose. I came here and I bring my a lifetime of experience 
I came here many years ago and stayed here for a long time. Um, it gave me a lot of inspiration, gave me a lot of strength. It gave me lifetime friends huh? with whom I was here for so long. And, uh, but I also come here to make uh, a deep connection with Krishna. Uh, that's the purpose for coming here. I've spent my life giving so much of my energy for, uh, for bringing other people uh, closer to Krishna. And um, of course, that gave, brought me closer to Krishna also. Certainly. But um, still, we also need to turn to Krishna. Uh, Maharaj Pariksit also just stopped everything and just start hearing and chanting. So I also want to do some of that, some serious hearing and chanting. Just hearing about Krishna. Just chanting. So you also are some time to be spent alone, alone with Krishna. Not just time meeting everybody. Of course, we're meeting everybody. It's quite a gathering, I must say. Uh, so I say it now in one in one go. Hello, everybody. <laughs> 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 it's it's really nice to, to see you all and I mean it from the heart <laughs> I'm very happy that you're here and it's it's absolutely uh, yeah it's wonderful but I'm not going to talk to you all all day long <laughs> um, some want to see me I just wait a little bit you know Give me a chance to tank up a little because, you know, all that running around and uh, put some toll on, on, the, on the house. And then I'm going on this crazy parikrama. I don't know what it's going to do to me, but I'm going to do it because <laughs> I'm like that. I fix something in my head and then I'm going to do it right? <laughs> uh, no matter what. Um, whether it's sensible or not, I don't care. <laughs> so we're going to do it. And it will be, it's, from a transcendental point of view, it makes all the sense of the world. For the body, I'm not sure. <laughs> but who cares, this body. Ah. So let us, uh, uh, make a deep connection, and let everyone take some private time. Take some private time alone with Krishna. Some of you have kids and they're at home. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All the time in the world for Krishna. Some of you brought the kids, I saw, 
in that case, well, give them an experience with Krishna. Um, but to actually turn to Krishna and just uh, try and make that personal connection, that is what Vrindavan is for. Uh, that's what we're supposed to do here. Yeah. Just turn to Krishna. Forget who you are. Forget what you have. Uh, forget. Okay, I can't forget everything. Like now I get pain in my knee from sitting cross-legged so long. And you know, if you ask the sun, you can't really put your feet on the table. Ah. <laughs> but I'm beginning to think about it. So I am soon, yeah, they're going to move the table. This is the old. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Ah. <clears throat> so, um, Krishna, Krishna is everywhere. Krishna is all pervading. So, there's no place in the world where Krishna cannot manifest himself. But in Vrindavan, Krishna is especially present. And he manifests himself more easily. Uh, Srila Prabhupada said, it's like being on Krishna's lap. So let us somehow or other, when we're here in Vrindavan, we should all the time thinking, we're dealing with Krishna. Whatever is going on, we're dealing with Krishna. We're not dealing with people, we're not dealing with, with, with the weather, we're, not, we're dealing with Krishna. Behind everything is Krishna. We're always dealing with Krishna. This is Rindal. So let us spend some time here now. That's why we're meeting here, you know. Otherwise, I would have just called you all to London. <laughs> and, uh, or to New York. That uh, would have also, that's a little expansive, but would have also been, been nice. And I would have, we would have, could have had Kirtan in Tompkins Square Park, and that was also pretty good. But I called you to Vrindavan uh, because this is a special place to meet Krishna. Srila Prabhupada also came here at, his end, at the end of his life. So I decided, okay, let's go and let's... Uh, and uh, they say, if you leave your body here, you go back to Godhead. So I thought, may as well, little extra guarantee <laughs> doesn't harm. Uh huh. But none of you should be leaving their bodies here now. You can do it later. Um, one, one time they sent us a relative of a very important Calcutta family, a very a family closely connected to Srila Prabhupada and they sent a boy here and they sent us a message and they said, take special care of him. And we did. And we gave him a royal tour of Vrindavan and we took him to the Yamuna 
and he drowned straight away. <laughs> he went in and he drowned. We, don't, we still don't know how he did it. <laughs> he just went in the water and drowned. Right, immediately. Yeah. So then uh, we informed the family and they told us to keep the body. And there were no planes, so I had to come by train. And it took a while, you know. And then in the Guruku building, there's a courtyard. You can't see it now because it's now it's blocked off. But there's a, court, there's a fountain in the courtyard. And somehow or other, they decided to keep the body there on ice. And there were 30 vultures sitting on the roof. <laughs> it's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, so many adventures. Anyway, may you all survive your visit to Vrindavan. <laughs> may you all get a lot of inspiration, bring that back, and carry on in Krishna consciousness. And after, and only after a long, long life, after many more years, even the old ones amongst you, wish you more time, then you can uh, return back to Godhead from wherever. So I thank you for all of you who have come to Vrindavan. Of course, on the computer, there are many who could not come for different reasons, health, work, uh, and so on, and so on. And uh, we'll do our best to share with you uh, as much as we can. We'll be streaming things, recording things, dreaming things. And remember, I'll go a few minutes extra. There are different Vrindavans. There is Golok Vrindavan, the spiritual world. There is Boma Vrindavan, Vrindavan on earth. And there is, that Boma Vrindavan has two manifestations. One manifestation is Boma Vrindavan when Krishna is prakat, when he is personally present. So 5,000 years ago, that Boma Vrindavan. And then the Boma Vrindavan of today. Those twos are, two are different. Uh, that Prakat Lila of Krishna can also be further subdivided between two. When Krishna was here 5,000 years ago, it's Krishna being personally present in Vrindavan and then Krishna while being personally present elsewhere on the planet. Then Vrindavan still carried that special uh, mood you know, of, of Krishna's immediate associates, but now in separation. And now we have Boma Vrindavan in the Aprakat Lila of Krishna, in, where Krishna is not visibly manifest to us. So, so many of you are not here physically, but uh, the, th the third category of Vrindavan uh, is the internal Vrindavan. And that internal Vrindavan, that is what we have to turn to. Uh, and we always have to turn to, wherever we are. We here in this Boma Vrindavan are 
catching glimpses, getting some inspiration and so on. But then we have to keep that within our heart. Uh, that's why at home we also have pictures of Vindavan, uh, Govardhan, and everyone has Kusum Saravar on the wall, or some, something like that. Uh, that also is there. So we have to internalize Vrindavan. We're not just here to on, on sightseeing, you know, or get an experience. No, we're here to to take something with us and to bring Vrindavan with us. Uh, we see Srila Prabhupada in New York, right? and we see how Srila Prabhupada is saying, oh, how he's from Vrindavan, how Vrindavan is such a such a nice place. Prabhupada was, was he in New York or was he still in Vrindavan? And he was always in Vrindavan. So this is the idea that we also, wherever we are, will always be in Vrindavan. Okay, I'll take a few questions today. I'm not gonna take them from the uh, computer because I'm sitting here with so many people. I'll take a few. I'll take two questions from the floor and we'll see if someone, or, yeah. And I don't know if there's a microphone that goes around or what, but. Okay. Does anyone have a question? All the way in the back. If you're sitting in the front, you can also ask a question and grab the mic because that's where it is now. Krishna he wants, okay. Hi, Krishna Gurmaraj. Um, I just wanted to ask, earlier you were talking about the external covering and for, for those of us coming for the first time, how do we avoid causing offences when we see some of the... Ah, oh, the offences question. Vrindavan oh. <laughs> <laughs> is the heaviest place in the universe. In Vrindavan. If you breathe in Vrindavan, it's an offense, and it gets severe reactions. Um, Vrindavan is a place, belongs to Krishna, and for devotional service. It's, it's like, uh, Krishna is very kind, Krishna is very merciful. So if we try to serve Krishna, if we try to be devotees, All is fine. Vindavan is a place for pure devotional service. Vindavan is not a place for Maya. So we're not meant to engage in activities of Maya. We're not meant to. And if we engage in activities of Maya, yes, then there, there will be reactions in Vindavan. But why would we engage in activities of Maya? I mean, 
that's the thing. That's why Srila Prabhupada explained, if you are not accustomed to follow four regulative principles, then follow them for three days and stay only three days in Vrindavan. If, and follow them for three days. If you can follow them for 30 days, then you follow them for 30 days. Stay 30 days in Vrindavan. So stay three months in Vrindavan. Or you can spend 30 years in Vrindavan if you follow the four regulated principles. This place is full of mercy. Full of mercy. It is a wonderful place. And offenses, you know, you understand when we talk, it's not the accidental offenses. It's the conscious, the conscious offense. So what you need to do, bow down to the Vaishnavas, chant Hare Krishna, and then bow down to the Vaishnavas again. Just, you can see Raghunadas Goswami, uh, something like uh, two leg, 200,000 names, and a thousand obeisances. That's 128 rounds and a thousand obeisances. You can try half, 64 rounds and 500 obeisances for a day. But let us bow down to the Vaishnavas, to all the various deities. And in this way, we offer obeisances and we chant Hare Krishna and we hear about Krishna. Follow four eggs, no worries. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay. okay. Give it to you to decide. Hi Krishna Dev. I was wondering if you I was wondering if you could please share with us something about Giriraj Govinda. The first time I remember meeting Giriraj Govinda was in November 2012 when you came from Mayapur to Cape Town. And uh -huh. I was wondering if you could share with us how Giriraj came to you and something about that. Not in some Hare Krishna. Maybe give the mic back so that the sound is more under control. Yeah, anyway, give it to, to Udava. Give it to Udava. He'll do it. He'll do it. was that uh, Ayendra used to worship Giriraj before he started all his big big deity worship 
which came later, he started with a very small, very small Govardhan Shila in his in a box, right, which he carried around. So I kind of liked that because it was small and simple and me and deity worship, I've always been the klutz on the altar. Okay? I've always been the, the one who never made it as a pujari. Uh, it's somewhere, I'm, I'm not good at dressing, you know? I mean, it's like, I don't know, all this, <laughs> all this clothes and buttons and you see it didn't button up properly and I just I'm not good at it and uh, <clears throat> and uh, so I found it uh, somehow the deity worship always scared me yeah but then uh, when Indra had this very small I thought that was something nice, so I always said that I liked small, the small form of Kiriyaj. But I didn't uh, pursue that at all, right? Uh, but then one day, one of my disciples, Parthasarathy Das, who was, who was worshipping Kiriyaj for a long time, he came. And he brought Kiriraj. And, uh, and not only he had made a beautiful silver box and he had like bought all these uh, silver paraphernalia and everything. And I go, like, oh, no, I don't want him. Come on, you know, no, no. But anyway, uh, in the end, uh, I accepted him. And... Uh, because I felt not so uh, qualified to do this. Um, but it was, again, too much love. <laughs> <laughs> so I accepted. Um, I'm still not a great pujari. It's like, I don't know how to always do it, you know, chant and to deity worship and and when so many things start to happen, I find it hard. Of course, the mercy of, of having the Supreme Lord in a deity form in your life is amazing. It's amazing. To live with the Supreme Lord, I find it uh, something overwhelming that he's willing to... Uh, to live with me, right? Um, that's that's extraordinary. So the mercy that came is 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 uh, is extraordinary. Traditionally, <coughs> Giriraj is <coughs> worshipped in our line by the renunciants, right? Not by everybody. I know, now everyone wants, wants Govardhan. But traditionally, Raghunath Das Goswami received Kiriraj from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And uh, 
was worshipping him. Very, very simple. Because sannyasis are not able to have temples at home and big deities that they can dress and this, that. So that's how it started. <clears throat> Nowadays, uh, it kind of exploded and everyone uh, wants a Govardhan Shila and everyone, and I'm afraid, you know, I, I, I heard the stories that uh, Govardhan was cursed and becomes smaller every day by a mustard seed. But these days I'm thinking the Hare Krishna movement is going to take Govardhan home. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think, the way it's going. Right? So I feel a little guilty sometimes that I'm worshipping Govardhan um, because I'm afraid it sends out a message that everyone should get a Govardhan Shila. Um, Therefore, I usually say to disciples who want to worship Govardhan, yes, you can, but you must worship a Shila that is already outside of Vrindavan. You know, that someone has already got and they're not worshiping, you know, take one of those. Let's not, let's leave something in Vrindavan also. Uh, because, yeah. But anyway, I, I lot of mercy. <laughs> thank you. All right, I thank you all, and it's very nice that that uh, we met like this. Uh, tomorrow, then, uh, yeah, I'll be part of the morning class, and then uh, day after tomorrow. I need a lot of rest on the fifth, yeah. Because if we're going out on the sixth on Parikrama, then I need to tank up because I'm still very tired from this whole trip and trying to get over the jet lag from London is four and a half hours. You know, basically this morning we got up at eleven a at eleven p.m. Uh, London time. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Going to Mongolatic, something in me said, like, do you really want to do this? Uh, so that's the body side. So a little time to kind of get in shape. And then on the 6th, we will go. And uh, looking forward to that for the time to come. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada, Kijai. Shivindavandam, Kijai. Harinam Sankirtan Yagya Kijaya Gaurabhatta Vindakirtan